He's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Our message to the organizers and participants of this caravan is simple. As the President and Secretary Nielsen have made clear, we will not allow a large group to enter the United States in an unsafe and unlawful manner. If you can't get asylum, will you consider crossing illegally? Yes. I'm thinking that's, that's, that's no problem for me, for nobody over here, because I want to go there. So 5,000 troops won't stop you, you'll still go? Yes, I want to go over there. Nobody can stop me, and nobody can stop these people. Uh, if, if Republicans and uh, are uh, retain control of the House, in the Senate, uh, next year we will do um, reconciliation and make these tax cuts permanent. We ought to have tax reform and we ought to start by making it so simple that you don't have to hire a lawyer to find out how much you owe every year. We live in the only country in the world where it takes more brains to figure out your income tax than it does to earn the income. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We're going to be doing, uh, really, it's, it's going to be another gallop through this hour. I had a few people already comment online that the first hour was pretty intense. It is intense, but that, I'm hoping, is what you're tuning in for. And definitely, my intention is to inform you and to equip you. And you, you are equipped. I'm just talking about information. You are equipped for whatever it is that you have to do. If you're a mom, if you're working and you're managing thousands of people, if you run a small business, if you're you know, someone's employee and you're just getting started out in life, whatever you have on your plate for today, you are equipped and able to accomplish it through Christ Jesus. You want to know him as your Lord and Savior? All you got to do is ask him to come into your heart and forgive you for your sins. You got to believe that he died on the cross. Jesus Christ did, rose on the third day, went down, took the keys to hell and Satan and death and banished all of that. And basically now at the right hand of the Father, and that he is God also, Jesus Christ. And you're there, baby. Find a church, get get baptized. Welcome to the family. Um, for everyone else who is already in the family, you are equipped. You are equipped. You are righteous. You are clothed in, in white. Your sin has, your sin debt has been paid for. You are forgiven. You are no longer condemned. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You are anointed. You have the favor of God on your life and all you have to do is walk in it in obedience. So you're equipped to do whatever it is that you have to do. And if you feel faint, if you feel weak, cry out to him and he will give you strength and help you to bear that load. He'll take your load from you and you will be able to accomplish all that you've been set out to accomplish for today. So this hour of the program, we're going to be talking about the hostility towards President Trump. We have some awesome audio from uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, author, uh, you know, uh, so many different things. Um, we have a little bit of audio from him, and then we're going to talk about what GOP tax reform 2.0 would look like. I, I know the story is that the president talked about, but we, we got into that in hour one, and the podcast can be found at AFR.net and also UrbanFamilyTalk.com. We got into that already. I'm not going to spend the whole show on that because you need other information as well. And tax reform 2.0 is super important. And you know why? It's super important because we, we need it. We need for the government to be starved off a little bit. If you cut, you know, you can't cut it off. But if you just tighten the spigot up a little bit, we can get government people to start thinking about the money that they spend as instead of an infinite pot that just flows, overflows with cash, they should be thinking we got to be as wise and prudent as we can with this money because we aren't guaranteed to have it. Zero-based budgeting is what we need to see. And I, I'm my sincere hope is that the president uh, is able to get that implemented after the midterm. I hope it's still something that's on his plate that he's considering. And then we are going to also speak with Linda Chavez. She's the director of Becoming American Initiative. Now, I went to the website. And the website calls itself the Conservative Consensus on Immigration. Now, I can tell you right now, we're going to have a good interview. We're not going to overtalk each other. We're not going to fight. But I am going to listen to her explain to me how I, as an American taxpayer and an actual citizen, should be in favor of open borders. She has a lot of Republicans on here listed. But if you look at who they are, unfortunately, I see Mia Love. Pretty sad, as I've supported her candidacy and, and everything about her greatly to see her siding with pro-illegal immigration activists. Also, she has Jeff Flake on here, who she'll have to change his designation. She has Senator Jeff Flake, our Arizona. He's soon to be no longer Senator Flake because he's not running again because he's too moderate for the new Trump Republican Party. 
So we'll be speaking with her about her Becoming American initiative, her defense of uh, DACA and Dreamers and all of that. That'll be in the last segment of the show. It should be very interesting. Again, we're not going to fight. We're going to talk about immigration and why she's pro-illegal immigration and how I as a taxpayer should be you know, open to that. So right now I want to get into Newt Gingrich talking about this media hostility towards Donald Trump. Just to kind of freshen it up a little bit, new study out by MRC TV that shows that the 92% number remains in the two, three weeks intervening since the first survey they had came out and said that 92% of the coverage of the president was negative. 51% of Democrats' coverage is negative, but a bulk of that negative coverage had to do with Elizabeth Warren and her birth certificate or DNA test. Well, if you take that out, the Democrats are trending towards positive coverage by the media while the Republicans receive almost exclusively negative coverage. Here's Newt Gingrich talking about that. It's number one. Oh, I think the level of hostility is beyond anything we've ever seen. I think the last study said 92% of the news media was hostile to Trump, of the actual coverage. You went story by story by story. I think if you were openly pro-Trump in the New York Times newsroom, they'd fire you. Or the Washington Post. They would just fire you. I mean, they say, clearly, you don't understand. You shouldn't be here. I mean, I mean to take the example about... about what Trump was saying about nationalism, that really one of, one of the great magic moments in American history is Benjamin Franklin, who goes to England to represent the colony of Pennsylvania, and after seven years realizes that he will never be accepted as an Englishman, that the aristocracy simply will not accept him, even though he was a world-famous scientist and a very wealthy man. And people have said he left as a British subject he came back as an American. And in a way, this thing about being an American starts there. And so this is something that you will find in most European countries. So European countries have, up until just recently, with their own migrant issues from people coming from foreign countries. Remember, this is all precipitated. Let's, let's just go back real, real quick. i just tell you this real quick. Back when Saddam Hussein was in charge of Iraq and Muammar Gaddafi was in charge of Libya, they were dictators, they were despots, they were, you know, they were bloody murderers, but they kept control of their populations. And so while we didn't like the way they governed their people, they were better than, you know, what the situation we have now where it's just there's no leader and there are these tribal factions and there's constant war. One of the things that Libya was able to do was to prevent people who wanted to just overwhelm Europe by running over it by basically economic migrants. Libya wouldn't permit that. But now that we have no known leader in Libya, no single figurehead to run the country, the migrant caravans have advanced and Europe is changing. And if you think that's a racist statement, I should knock you upside the head with a piece of, of uh, rolled up newspaper. It's not about racism. In order for Italy to be Italian, it has to be full of Italian people. And if you think there's something wrong with that, how about if you let me bring a whole bunch of my kinfolk from all over the country and from both sides of my family and my extended relatives from me being married to a huge family. My husband's family is enormous, spans the continent uh, in Hawaii, Alaska, Northeast, Northwest. He's got people all over the country. How about if I just take 10% of my husband's people and plant them at your house and then we'll see how long your house, if your last name is Johnson, how long your Johnson home is a Johnson home. It won't be Johnson for long if I drop off 100 of my husband's relatives. It will be Washington, will it not? It's the same thing with the country. If a nation is no longer populated by people who speak its language, practice its customs and believe its the, the core beliefs of that country, then you have effectively overrun that country. You've taken it over. You've invaded it. You have converted it to something else. And these European countries are much more susceptible to that because they are small and they were much more homogenous. America is the only place on the planet where you move here, you get citizenship, you start speaking English and you're an American. You can call yourself a black American, an African American. You can call yourself an Italian American or a Chinese American. But for all intents and purposes, if I hear you speaking English and I see you walking around these streets, I think you're an American. It is only until you tell me I'm here illegally or I'm here on an H-1B-1 visa. I speak great English, but I'm actually Pakistani. That's the only way I'm going to know. 
In America, you don't have to be white or black or Asian to be an American. You don't have to present a certain way. All you have to do is have citizenship. That's not the same as it is in Germany and other places. In Germany, if you're not white and, you know, naturally speaking German as your first tongue, you're not really German. You're a third country national or you're an immigrant or the, the you know, bougie name for it is you're an expat. You're expats. You are citizens of another country, but you choose to live in Germany because you love it. Uh, my mom has some best friends who've been in Germany for 30 plus years and they are expats there and they have um, the ability to work there indefinitely and they have jobs. And some of them have worked with the U.S. federal government because, you know, you can work with whoever is there. It's just just get your work visa and work. And they travel all over the country. They're in the United States a ton. Some of them even have homes in the U.S. They live in primarily in Germany, but then they have their home country. One of my mom's very best friends is Ghanaian and she has a fantastic education and she was educated in England. And she's lived her entire life in Germany, married to a German man who is a citizen of Germany, obviously. And they had a house in uh, Las Vegas. They had a house in Germany. And she has family in Ghana that they visit regularly. And the kids come and visit her there in uh, Germany. That's the way it is everywhere but here. And, and we got people screaming and yelling because someone's been messing with our birthright citizenship thing. And we have like an attitude about it. If you're out there in listener land and you have a permanent tan like me, you should be totally ticked off that people from some other country are using a provision that was specifically laid out for us to get citizenship in this country. There's nothing like having someone stand on your neck to get what they want, is it? So if you're, I mean, you can't possibly be sitting there thinking we have to let them in. Why? Do you have to let my husband's hundred relatives into your house? They don't need to come to your house. This isn't about where they need to go. It's about the example that your house would no longer be your house if a hundred of, of, of my relatives come live there. And it's not even about need for these people. Yes, they say they need to come here. I also need to have, you know, a, a, a penthouse apartment in Manhattan. Ever since the first time I went to Manhattan, I thought, oh, it'd be so nice to have a place here. But I don't have one. Because I don't have the dough to get one. And then... I, I, I dare say, because my husband is the head over here, even if we did say, you know what, we will drop some cash and get a place in, in New York. He'd say not in New York. We'd get some place somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? If this isn't about what other people need. I need a lot of things, but it's up to me to get them and to get them lawfully. And so these people who are coming from South America, they have needs. I have no doubt about it. I would be shocked if they didn't have needs. All human beings have needs. The question is, why is it our responsibility to fulfill your needs? I'm sorry. Tell, tell me one more time. Help me out here one more time. Why is it our responsibility to help you fulfill your needs? So here's Newt Gingrich cracking wise. I've got one minute left uh, about John Kerry actually being an American, which he's not. He's a globalist. It's number two. And I think it's important to recognize what, what, what Trump is saying when he uses the word nationalism isn't at a level of the federalist, anti-federalist arguments. Right. But it's saying, look, <clears throat> these guys on the left want to basically sell our country out for some kind of global cause, whether it's the Paris Accords or the International Criminal Court or the United Nations. You know, I, I tell people the reason that John Kerry runs all over the world the way he does and the reason he still sees the Iranians is in Kerry's mind, he was never really the American Secretary of State. He was a world Secretary of State doing good things on behalf of the world, and which is why I don't think you could charge him with the Logan Act, because you'd have to be an American in order to be charged <laughs> with the Logan Act. And Kerry's not psychologically an American. He's psychologically a, a, a person of the globe and would regard people who care about America as sort of pygmies, you know, obsolete obsolete pygmies how dare he <laughs> i don't care if he is married to patricia heinz and he's worth a whole lot of money none of that stuff matters to me in fact i'm the opposite of john Kerry. if i encounter you and i believe that you believe as i do in american sovereignty then we're automatically from the same place we share the same blood we share the same history we share the same flag john Kerry's not one of us he's not one of ours how about that? Straight from the pygmies. We'll be back with more after this. Stay there.
Len Ingram of Redeem Clean felt God call him to support the American Family Association. I'm a laundryman. I'm the son of a laundryman too. I love clean clothes. I love the business. I love everything about it. This project was built exclusively to support AFA and AFR. There's no strings attached. Another thing that I would like to see come out of this is that I would like to see other business people feel a calling to support ministries wherever and whatever they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and get Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Senator Ben Sass writes in his new book about the vanishing American adult, our coming-of-age crisis, and how to rebuild a culture of self-reliance. He recently took some material from the book and wrote about what happens when we don't raise kids to become adults. He tells the story of being tapped to become president of Midland University at the age of 37 years old. The board of directors did so because Ben Sass has the reputation as a turnaround guy who specializes in helping troubled companies become solvent. The university certainly needed his help. They were on the verge of missing payroll four months in a row, but he soon discovered that finances might not have been the biggest problem at the school. One student, for example, staged a sit-in at the president's office and announced that he would not leave until the president resolved the scheduling problem for him. He was upset that the registrar wouldn't be offering a particular course he needed the following semester. When Ben Sass engaged the student in conversation, he proclaimed, You need to figure this out. I pay tuition to go to the school, which means I pay your salary, so you work for me. The university conducted annual surveys about student experience on campus. It not only showed their lack of a work ethic, but a lack of understanding of the difference between production and consumption. The activities they said they enjoyed most were sleeping in, skipping classes, and partying. A few mentioned canceled classes as the best part of their four years. I hope that some of these examples seem crazy to you. Unfortunately for many in this emerging generation, these attitudes seem just about right. That is why Ben Sass wants to remind these young people that growing up involves maturity, hard work, and even delayed gratification. If not, we'll have a country of perpetual kids. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Graceworks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather, rated PG-13, now playing IndivisibleMovie.com. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's really about uh, keeping the momentum going. Obviously, the economy is booming. We're on track uh, for the first uh, total year over year, plus 3% uh, economic growth uh, in more than a decade. We're seeing jobs coming back, uh, paychecks going up. Main Street is hiring again. So President's really about uh, focused on more of that economic growth. <clears throat> the House has passed 2.0 uh, before we left for October with uh, 44 Democrat uh, sub uh, votes uh, for this three-bill package. It's now over in the Senate, and I think permanence uh, really depends on this election. Uh, if, if Republicans and De uh, are uh, retain control of the House and the Senate, uh, next year we will do um, reconciliation and make these tax cuts permanent. The president wants to go even farther. He's really focused on the middle class. He just believes they're the ones who get squeezed the most. He's asked us, and we've worked with him on developing another 10% middle class tax cuts for workers and families, and so we'll be ready to move with that as well. Mm. Do you like the sound of that? Is that? Does that just get you up a little bit? You want to maybe... Um, lift some hands in the sanctuary and just thank the Lord for people who agree that we should keep more of our money. Oh yeah. And, and don't, don't, don't fake on this. If you're making more money, whether it's the tax cuts or anything else, remember the order of things, which is that you're tithing and you're offering and then you're paying them bills. So if your budget's not permitting you to tithe, you're not living in good order. You're not living according to what the Bible has outline for us and you're definitely not lining yourself up for those blessings to chase you down and overtake you so you know 
financial peace, so many other different ways you can find to get that house in order. And when you start one one little step towards God, he comes the rest of the way. So there is nothing but to actually do it, get it done, get that tithing out of the way. I, as someone who in the beginning, we struggle with that as a, as a couple, I can tell you the more time you spend struggling with it and not taking care of it, the more time you spend outside the blessings that God has for you. It's an amazing abundant life living in obedience to Christ. So just get it done. Just make it happen. Um, So that's that GOP tax reform 2.0 already passed the House, just waiting for that takeover in the Senate. Yes, the Republicans control the Senate, but I mean real numbers. Like there's a possibility that the Republicans could gain seats in the Senate, which would enable them to actually cleanly pass tax reform through the Senate and get it on the president's desk. What could be better than that? Let's get that. Let's let's make that happen. Um, so now I want to flip over to Hillary Clinton's comments, which she's had all the wind sucked out of them. All the coverage that could have been of, of people castigating her for saying this has kind of been sucked out because, you know, this this is a big momentous day having the president actually address an issue that conservatives and specifically Ann Coulter and many of her books have covered. So many others have covered this, which is that we have people abusing our citizenship system coming here to drop a baby on American soil while they are citizens of another country, yet claiming that their baby is an American. And this has been going on for a long time since Ted Kennedy in the 60s, and we've got to put a stop to it. And it looks like President Trump not only has the wherewithal, but he has the authority under the Constitution and the powers that have been remanded to him to cover immigration by Congress because he is in the executive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how... What, what it's good when a Democrat's in charge, Congress run by Democrats is like, yeah, you can have all this power in the executive. Take it. Take it. And then when they take it and leave it there, then when a Republican is in charge, they're like, you don't have that power. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> so and that's that's the executive speaking. It's not really about Donald Trump or a Republican or a Democrat. It's that Congress remanded the power to the executive and it remains there. They've not taken it back. So you've got. Hillary Clinton joking about black people all looking alike. Now, I didn't save the audio of her saying she still wanted to be the president. You know why? Because we already know that. We already know she still wants to be the president. We already know she's like a virus that you just can't, you can't knock it down. It's that virus where they give you the Tamiflu and you're still sick a week later. And the doctor is like, we've never seen anything like this. That's Hillary Clinton. So here she is. I actually, I'm never shocked by her. Not anymore. But this even, I was a little bit like one eyebrow up. Like, what did she just say? It's number four. You know, that is, that's childish. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you feel free? Oh, I, I adore yeah, him. What do you think about him saying, kicked him in the shins, essentially, start to get to that kind of political? Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. No, they I don't. don't. <laughs> oh, well done. You know, Hillary. No, no, they don't. Her, her immediate reaction was to shut that down because she's been well-trained. You don't you can't talk about black people. You can't make jokes about black people. And then Hillary Clinton was like, oh, I can. <laughs> uh, my husband's the first black president and Bill Clinton because <laughs> he's a cheater. <laughs> and I don't care because all I care about is power, unlimited power, baby. And so I can joke about black people. I said we need to bring them to heal. I said blacks were natural born predators. Are you kidding me? I could say they all look the same. I'm Hillary Clinton. That is who this woman is. And so if you are sitting there, because I'm smiling, if you're watching on the live stream, you see I'm smiling about this because what else can you do but smile when someone shows you who they really are and what they really think about you? I got Hillary Clinton's number. I had it way back in the 90s when she said blacks were natural born predators. Oh, I understood what she meant. It was politically expedient for her to come down hard on crime because that is what people wanted back then. And now that people are not concerned with crime and people want to be PC, she gets to show people how powerful she is by not being PC. Come on, play the game. You can smile at it. When you see game, you recognize it. You got to see it for what it is. She's powerful. She's outside of the PC rules that govern the rest of us pansies. The rest of us, we can't crack jokes about ethnic groups. The rest of us, especially if you're on the right, you better not even think about saying something a little too incendiary. You can't go there. You're not powerful enough. You want to know who the most powerful entity is? It's the one you can't poke fun at. Remember when everyone was calling her a side of beef and saying how funny it was that she got thrown in the back of that Scooby van because she had 
like went into some kind of strange seizure and then they couldn't control her. So they just threw her in the back of the van and her, left her shoe on the sidewalk and drove away. And then when people started mocking it, they were like, you can't you can't mock her. That's misogynistic. But she can mock you, black constituent who votes for Hillary Clinton, who she also she thinks you're a natural born predator and that you need to be brought to heel. And also that you all look alike. Yeah, I said you because I'm not one of her constituents. I'm not one of her voters. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton and I would never have and I will never. So know who you can make fun of and know who can make fun of you. She gets to make fun of you because in her mind, she Democrats already have your votes. And so if she's sitting in an audience full of white liberals, she definitely can crack a joke about how black people all look alike. And what are you going to do about it? Not vote for the Democrats? Of course you're going to vote for the Democrats. If you don't, Joe Biden will come and tell you that they're going to put y'all all back in chains. He'll stop speaking the king's and queen's English of old, American English for current, for current users. He'll stop speaking like he normally talks and go into a black dialect to tell you that Republicans are going to re-enslave you if you don't vote for Democrats. While Hillary Clinton laughs and say all black people look the same. I know they all look the same. <laughs> That's an old joke. That went out like 15, 20 years ago. That, like, that whole joke, oh, white people all look alike. Chinese people all look alike. Black people all look alike. That joke went out decades ago. And she just broke it back out and dusted it off and used it. And who's doing anything about it? I'll just double check. I don't want to be that one. Hillary Clinton. I'm on Twitter. This is where you can tell if somebody's getting torn up. Hmm. Clinton's 2020 waffling presents a challenge for Democrats. Okay. So. Um, oh, Candace Owens says Hillary Clinton, the woman who offered the black community hot sauce, plus a free Jay-Z and Beyonce concert in exchange for our vote, now says that black people all look alike. She has 31,000 hearts and 16,000 retweets on that. But that's Candace Owens. I'm talking about some people on the left. Okay, Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire says Hillary Clinton says blacks all look alike, then laughs as audience applauds. But that's Ben Shapiro. James Woods kicks into her about it. Paul Joseph Watson, he's taking her to task about it. James Woods says, as Freud once said, there are no jokes. Larry Elder. Hmm. Uh, Larry Elder says we should all lighten up. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think we, we should all lighten up. Um, but I also think we should recognize that some people, uh, get to crack jokes that other people can't crack. Um, any Republican elected or otherwise who said as a joke that all blacks look alike would be taken to task by Simone Sanders and Don Lemon on CNN. And they would have panel after panel after panel. His show would be six hours long and even Anderson Cooper would weigh in and they would all talk about the travesty that is the Republican party and the amount of racism that's present on that side because someone cracked a joke about all black people looking alike. There is no double standard. There are just standards for Democrats and everybody else gets the guillotine. That's what's going on here. So while I like Larry Elder and I think he's brilliant, he's not this. This isn't a case of, oh, well, she just cracked a joke. It's a joke that Republicans can't crack. So if only certain people are allowed to crack jokes, are they really jokes? I mean, are they really? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. So. Do Reverend Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton look alike? Do I look like one of those two or any other black person? I mean, come on. It's it's a joke to her, but it's not a joke to me because other people, I can't even make that joke. Imagine they'd have me on Mediaite if I cracked a joke like that on this program. No, I don't think it's right. So... She's not going to get dragged on Twitter. Black Twitter is not going to tear her up for saying that. She deserves to get torn up for it, but she's not going to. Leftists are not going to take her on. Really, a lot of people on the left are just hoping that she doesn't run in 2020. They're hoping that she will fade into that good night as much as is humanely possible for her so that they can run a candidate that they can all get excited about because they weren't all excited about her. 
But I just think it's funny that, you know, when we look at how things are going um, and who gets to make what jokes, that that's what we have going on here. That we actually have Hillary Clinton saying that all blacks look alike as a joke and that that's okay. Um, so I know there's a lot of talk about this possibility that the Democrats take back Congress. Anything's possible. I don't subscribe to this, you know, kind of fear mongering. And I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, it's not over yet. People are still voting and the Republicans actually have the edge in early voting, which is unheard of for Republicans. So I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people um, who goes about telling everybody the sky is falling, but it is important that you get out and vote. It's super important that you get out and vote. Don't, don't waste time with worrying about what's going to happen and the outcome. Pray and vote. So the AP has actually come out with their version of what the president said today. And I, I wish I could say that the Associated Press was some organization that I could trust to have unbiased news reporting, but they're not. They're, they start off their article here, Trump target citizenship stokes pre-election migrant fears. Is it, is it fear? If it's 10,000 people marching towards the southern border? Or is it concern that 10,000 people are marching towards the southern border? I'm not afraid of anything. I, uh, well, okay, I'll take that back. I'm afraid that our elected officials will do nothing and that those people will gain access to the country, setting a precedent that our borders will never, ever be the same again. But I don't have any irrational fears about it. Thousands of U.S. troops to stop an invasion of migrants, visions of tent cities for asylum seekers, an end to the Constitution's guarantee of birthright citizenship. They go on to try to tie all of that to fear-mongering by Donald Trump, and they mention the more than 5,000 military troops that are being sent down. They include in their article this video of President Trump speaking to Axios on HBO, and it looks to me like they're in the White House. It makes me wonder, can, other, can anybody just get an interview with the president in the White House, or do you have to be HBO? Interesting. With well-timed interviews on Fox and Axios on HBO, Trump revived some of his hardest-line immigration ideas, much to the joy and exuberance of his voters. I added that part. <laughs> An executive order to revoke the right of citizenship for babies born to non-U.S. citizens on American soil. And the prolonged detention of anyone coming across the U.S.-Mexico border, including those seeking asylum in tent cities erected all over the place. Don't you just love the colloquialisms of someone who... He eschews the intelligentsia in favor of language that every American can understand. You got to love it. So the administration on Monday also announced plans to deploy 5,200 active duty troops, double the 2,000 who are in Syria fighting Islamic State. Now, why is it that every time they talk about this deployment to the southern border, they keep mentioning how many troops are deployed in Syria? We are not at war with Syria. That's number one. And number two... That defense authorization, which was made back when Obama was president and did not go through Congress, is actually not legal. That's what I'm saying. That's not legal. Um, so it, that's, that's not okay. That's not legal. So why should the president even, like, what, what is the comparison? Why are we suddenly comparing how many troops we have? And, and we've defeated ISIS. We have crushed them under Donald Trump. So why would we have more troops there than we would have at the southern border? I'll have to pull up a map and see what the landmass of Syria is in comparison to the three states that border Mexico and see if there's any comparison in the amount of troop strength needed there. Besides the fact that we're in a multinational coalition in Syria, so other countries have troops there. Great Britain, Russia, I believe the Chinese even have operators there. Why would we need to have more troops there than are absolutely necessary when we have our coalition forces there operating as well. The comparison is spurious. And, and I'm calling this out for you because when you're reading these news articles, if you just take it at face value, it plants seeds in your mind that make you think in a certain direction. The number of troops deployed in Syria is inconsequential and has nothing to do with how many troops should be sent to the southern border to repel the migrant invasion. Period. We'll be back with our guest, Linda Chavez, director of Becoming American Initiative, right after these important messages. 
This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. You may have heard about the elitist remark made by Emmanuel Macron, president of France, but did you hear about the response? Macron stated it wasn't possible to find a woman who was perfectly educated to have seven, eight, or nine children. A flood of very well-educated women throughout the world enlightened him. One with a doctorate from Harvard University tweeted a photo of her with six of her eight children. A Stanford graduate provided a picture with her 11 kids. Women with degrees in music, pharmacology, engineering, and business weighed in. In the end, the president of France was educated that his elitist attitude was condescending, ignorant, and sexist. Maybe he should seek their advice. Sounds like he could use help running things in France. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. I'm Will Addison, director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32 it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. We sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for his service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. My name is Tommy. I really tried to do the best I could to be a good husband, to be a father. I couldn't quit using drugs. I was stuck. Since coming here, my life is better. I have hope, and I know I don't ever have to live that way again. If you know an adult or teenager who's struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge can help. Call us today at 417-581-2181 or reach us online at teenchallengeusa.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Hi, I'm Hank Weinblum with your Word of the Week. Like those suspicious packages, handle this word with care. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? To the president and his supporters, it means the same as patriotism, putting America first. I'm somebody that loves our country. An early form of nationalism, the American Revolution, later an independent Ireland and the state of Israel. But nationalism also conjures up ugly images, World Wars I and II, the Holocaust, ethnic cleansing in Yugoslavia, the Civil War in Syria. Some historians say nationalism sparked the American Civil War. Some hear it as code for white Christian supremacy. The opposite of nationalism might be globalism, nations working together. But the president might argue nationalism trumps globalism. I am absolutely a nationalist and I'm proud of it. Because of its history, nationalism is a politically loaded word. And when something's loaded, it should be used carefully. With your Word of the Week, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to speak to our next guest. It's Linda Chavez. She's the director of Becoming American Initiative. Linda, thank you for joining the show. It's great to be with you. So let's talk about this. You have Becoming America Initiative which is a website that touts um, defense of the dreamers and deferred action on childhood arrivals. And the title of your homepage is the conservative consensus on immigration. Uh, Share with us why you would, as I'm assuming a Republican be in favor of uh, amnesty and legalization for people who are in the country illegally. Uh, Well, no one is talking about amnesty at this point. The last amnesty, of course, was um, given by my former boss, President Ronald Reagan. Uh, I was director of public liaison in the Reagan White House and was also the director of the Civil Rights Commission under President Reagan. Uh, But what we do talk about is a way to fix our immigration problem, because our immigration system is broken. The president is right about that. And what we need to do is to figure out a way to bring the right people here in the right number uh, to fulfill our needs as a country. And so I've been talking about this for 30 years or more. Uh, we need a generous legal immigration program that brings people with all sorts of skills, people who are engineers and mathematicians, scientists, etc., but also people who come to pick our crops and, and uh, clean our buildings. Doing the jobs Americans won't do? Pardon me? Doing the jobs Americans won't do? Uh, Doing the jobs that Americans currently do not choose to do. That's right. 
So you're aware that books by prominent writers on the conservative side of the political aisle have the people have done the research and found that in case after case, taking, let's say, chicken processing plants, for example, numerous raids on chicken processing plants across the country netted illegal immigrants that were deported. And upon deportation of those illegal immigrants, the jobs were filled by black Americans who replaced those Actually, illegal alien immigrants. Accurate. Can I interrupt you there? No, you can't because I'm not going to interrupt um, you. So I don't want you to interrupt okay. me because that makes the conversation really contentious and the listeners well, can't you, understand what we're I saying. Understand that, but you and just, I, I, you just I'm Linda, you said you worked, you worked under President Reagan and that means you've been in, in the, in the political realm for decades and I respect your tenure there. But I read the AP news reports about these chicken processing plants with my own two eyes. Stories by the AP, which is a nonpartisan organization. I happen to have served as the director of the largest chicken processing company. So are you saying because you worked there that the other stories didn't happen? That other people weren't deported and blacks didn't replace those workers because you worked somewhere? What I'm telling you is that Pilgrim's Pride, which at the time was the largest chicken processing company in the country, this was in 2008, we had a raid and we had 400 people who were, in fact, uh, pulled out of our, our processing plants. And this was, by the way, despite the fact that we followed Everything, not just to the letter of the law, we went a step further. We were part of the E-Verify system voluntarily so that we checked people's Social Security numbers to make sure they were entitled to work. When we lost those 400-plus workers, what happened was, yes, we were able to hire people. They didn't last on the job. We had to increase the wages. We had terrible attrition. And the company ended up going bankrupt. This was the largest chicken processor in the country. So hiring Americans causes companies to go out of business, is what you're saying. It, it, so in other what words... What I'm saying um, is that we couldn't hire Americans. They didn't stay uh, on the job. They okay. did not stay on the job. And what you see is time and time again that there are jobs that are going wanting. There are lots of jobs out there picking vegetables and fruit. There are jobs out there in the dairy uh, business. There are jobs out there cleaning businesses. I sit now on the board of the largest janitorial company in the country, and I will tell you that we are facing a crisis in terms of being able to find workers who will accept these jobs. And we are a company that is at a very low profit margin. We make less than 5% profit in our company. And so when we cannot find workers to do those jobs, um, we end up not being able to fulfill our contract. And this is something I'm not speaking, um, I have done academic, as you probably know. I have also written books. I've written uh, several books uh, on the topic. I have written uh, articles both for scholarly magazines and for popular magazines, as well as newspaper articles on this subject. But my experience is also as somebody who has worked in this and we have had to deal with the crisis we have in finding people to do certain jobs. And I will tell you, Stacey, it's not, it's not because Americans are lazy or because, you know, they, they uh, have no good work ethic. It's because Americans are too well educated to want to accept jobs that do not use their skills. We have now okay. educated Except Americans for black so Americans American who are at the bottom of the educational barrel. So are you aware that black Americans are not as well educated as other Americans on the whole, percentage-wise, hold fewer college degrees and advanced educational accomplishments like apprenticeships? And you're completely discounting that entire segment of the American populace no, that still I'm needs entry-level work. Listen, then, then what are you saying? before you were born. So don't, you know, don't oh, good for you. But I'm talking about your current American stance on immigration, reform. Linda. You're the, you get no props for me for that. That's not what the subject matter is. If you marched during civil rights before I was born, good for you. Thanks for your service. But we're not talking about civil rights here. We're talking about today, right now, you advocating for people from outside this country to take jobs away from American blacks. So no, it, you're basically I, your I, comments I, here no, are erasing your work you are, during the civil I'm rights sorry, movement. I won't let you get away with it. Well, I'm not getting away with anything. I'm not getting away with anything. I'm going by what you said. From anyone. We live in a free market economy, 
And anyone who wants to go in and get a job who is qualified for that job can get what I am Including illegal aliens, which you're advocating for. No, I am not advocating for that. Do not put words into my mouth. I'm hearing you say that you went by E-Verify and still managed to hire people who were in the country illegally. I am advocating for changing our laws so that we can bring the right people to come to the United States to do jobs that need doing that Americans choose not to do. They choose not to do these jobs, and for good reason in some circumstances. But we need the jobs done. I mean, we can do one of two things. You can get rid of those processing plants here, and you can ship them to Mexico, and you can have people do the jobs there. Or you can bring people here to do the job uh, who will then spend their money in this country, pay taxes, buy homes, buy cars, stop in our stores, and become Americans, which is what I advocate for. I... So the information that I've read about this, and specifically the chicken processing plants that you're referring to, that they have such a horrible record of Americans working there, the stories that I've read do not support what you've said. So we have to agree to disagree on that. I I don't think it's worth continuing to disagree over. I have actually been on the board of those plants. I have done scholarly All of them? So I don't know what you read. All of them? But whatever you're reading is probably propaganda from the No, not propaganda. Regular news, regular news outlets. Listen, Linda, it's, it's, I'm not reading propaganda. I'm talking about regular AP and Reuters news stories. That, so those are mainstream media outlets. They're not on the right. Um, they, they tend to lean a little left, but they're definitely mainstream media outlets that I read those stories on. You so can I'm, open I'm almost any newspaper in America that will talk about the labor shortage we are facing. Oh, in sure. This Absolutely. Today. There's a labor shortage, but your answer is to bring in foreigners to do it. And that, that's my next question for you. When you say we need to bring people in to do this work, what mechanism are you, are you preferring? Is it the visa system where they're coming in as temporary workers, or you're talking about bringing people in to give them citizenship to work these jobs? I think you have both kinds of, of opportunities available. Some people you want to bring in, they're going to become permanent residents on their path to becoming United States citizens. And there will be some jobs, for example, in the agricultural field where you may have seasonal jobs. You may want to bring people in as guest workers. They'll do the jobs, and when the work is done, they'll return home. We need both kinds of programs available. Right now, we don't have them. Okay, so we just have a couple minutes left here, and I'll give you those couple of minutes to address anything in the interview that you want to address, add any more information in, et cetera, what, what have you. Well, illegal immigration right now is down to a 50-year low. We basically uh, have remained about static over the last 10 years. The number of illegal immigrants in the U.S. has declined by more than a million uh, in the last 10 years. This is the time that we ought to be looking at reforming our legal immigration laws so that we can bring in the right number of people and the right kind of people. And we do it not because we want to be kind to other people. We do it for the good of this country, for making this country uh, great and continuing our heritage as a nation that welcomes people and gives people opportunity and then turns those people into good Americans. And the current rates of assimilation don't concern you, or I should say non-assimilation. Well, and actually, they, they, they uh, uh, actually make me uh, quite pleased. The, uh, the Mexican and, and other Latin American and Asian immigrants that are coming to the United States over the last 20 years are, in fact, assimilating at faster rates than the Italians, Jews, Poles, Greeks, Germans, and others did in previous centuries. They're learning English faster, 97%. According uh, to what metrics? Hispanic immigrants, according to studies by the U.S. Census Bureau, and according to studies by every major organization, to research and others. Assimilation is taking place at a faster rate today than it did in the past. 
Uh, and I've written whole books about this. I wrote a book called Out of the Barrio, Sort of the Politics of Hispanic Assimilation. It's a did some pathbreaking research in this area. Every study from the National Academy of Sciences uh, to, as I mentioned, the Pew Research Center documents that Hispanic and Asian immigrants are assimilating quickly. They learn English. They move into the middle so class. The, I, I, the, I, I need to interrupt class. you there. So I, I guess... What you're saying completely flies in the face of the numbers of, of immigrants who are here in this country, illegal immigrants who are using our emergency care systems for uh, their primary source of medical, the, the a number of children who are in American schools who speak a foreign language, the number of schools that are no longer just teaching Spanish as a, a second language, but are teaching other variations of, of Latin languages, be, that, languages that have never been spoken here before. Read the National Academy of Sciences study, which is all about assimilation. This is comprehensive data over the last 20 years that includes data. That includes the illegal immigration. English. It includes everyone who is born, born, including the illegal population, absolutely. The, the teachers, so I, I, the, the numbers don't support what you're saying. The numbers that p the public schools are currently expending on teaching students English as a second language, the number the, the numbers of kids who are being educated at or above grade level, it doesn't support what you're saying. And the, the biggest does. deal, what but is, the, the biggest deal yes, about what you're saying, Linda, that doesn't support that Americans you know, don't you, want you, more you can, illegal can, immigration and they don't want more legal I, immigration. I, study after I, study I, has I, shown I, that. So you're, no, you have true. an utter refusal to acknowledge that Americans have a right to decide how many people are coming into this country and at what rate well, and for what? That. I don't dispute that. I don't dispute that in the, in the slightest. I say that it you're is advocating against what Americans want. What you're advocating no, for is not what the bulk of Americans want, according to surveys by the same organizations that you named. I, I, I just I can't understand that. that. We have a debate about this in Congress that we look at what is in our national interest. And at this point in time, what is in our national interest is bringing in people both at the high end of the skill set and some people at the low end of the skill set to do jobs that Americans choose not to take. And our worry could not be that these people will not, in fact, succeed in the United States because current immigrants and their children, the second generation, those who are actually born in the United States, the immigrant parents, are not only assimilating, they're actually exceeding the expectations and uh, the uh, achievements of those who were, whose parents were born in the United States. Second generation, whether you're talking uh, about Hispanics or I, Asians, I totally, and I've given you the last word on this, and I really appreciate your time, but that's the music, and we're out of time for the interview. Thank you for calling in today. Linda Chavez, Director of Becoming Initiative. That's the end of the show. I gave her the last word. I totally disagree with what she said. I totally disagree that she's worked on the board of every single chicken processing plant. And I am not even slightly put down by the fact that she said she was working in civil rights since before I was born. Yay. Yippee. Oh, so awesome. So what? America first. Seal the border. Address the immigration problems after we've stopped the inflow. That's it for the show today. Be back with you tomorrow. Citizens. Enjoy your evening. God bless you from the heartland.